welcome to another preview edition. It's the Hoopstradamus Podcast. Adam and Kirk running the pick and roll and uh, talking about the Pacific today. How are you, my friend? Getting a lot of minutes recently here, Foo. We're just churning these babies out. Yeah, yeah. Second day in a row uh, recording. And um, yeah, we're really getting there. Like the season starts Monday. So we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Um, there's a Tuesday. Is it Tuesday next week? I believe it's Tuesday. I believe it's week. the 19th. And that is a Tuesday. Yeah. So so next Tuesday. Yeah. Hoops Drama's Fantasy Basketball Draft is uh, next Monday. You, you respectfully declined. I don't need to work Monday nights. Typically, it's fine. I'm over it. I cried myself to sleep last night, but I'm feeling better today. I processed my grief. But I, I can only do one fantasy football league, so I feel like if I get into more of those or, or basketball, I'm just going to get lost. I, I will say that fantasy basketball isn't as good as fantasy football, even though I like basketball better. I think that fantasy football, like football is the perfect sport for fantasy because you can set your lineup once a week. Uh, you can kind of research throughout the week. I hate the maintenance of fantasy basketball, uh, but – yeah, we're, we're going with, uh, and they're not paying me to say this, but we're going with Sleeper, which is one I really liked, uh, I've, I've used in the past. And it's more so you pick a player each week to have, or you have five starters and you pick a game for them to represent your team in. And so you just set it once a week and then it's not as tedious because it gets overwhelming when you're like, there's no limit on games and it, you can just kind of manipulate the system and try to get as many uh, players as you can out there in a week and that's just like who's better at being annoying and persistent on your uh, fantasy sports app as opposed to like who knows basketball which I think is it should be about picking the right matchup and uh, you know getting a good read on who might thrive under what circumstances and stuff like that so it should be fun uh, anyway we will be getting into the California teams mostly. I think it's weird how, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it's just weird how many teams are in California. It's the Suns are the only ones not in the, the Golden State. Is that the official name of that state? Or do they have another yeah. cool name too? It is the Golden yeah, State. So the Golden State Warriors, do they count for all of California then? I mean, they did for a handful of years there. That's that's wild to me. Um, and we'll, we'll get into whether they are the best team in California. A little foreshadowing there. Um, maybe maybe a little debate. We'll see. Anyway, uh, let's start at the bottom and then just kind of work our way up the way we have. Uh, so we're both in agreement that the Kings are the worst team in this division. Oh, foo, I had them number one. They run California. Uh, they are the kings, after all. <laughs> you know, Luke Walton, the the savant, the genius. No, I have them finishing fifth. Uh, very safe to put them there, especially in probably what is the toughest division in basketball. Yeah, yeah, I think it probably is. Um, I don't think it's the top heaviest, but it's the deepest. And that is so unfortunate for a team like the Kings because I don't think they're that bad. No, I think they've made strides for sure. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, last year they were inconsistent. It seemed like Luke Walton was kind of fighting for his job at times, but he kept it. Uh, they have some really good players. De'Aaron Fox, I think, is emerging as a star. Tyrese Halliburton. It was one of the more exciting young players, and he's just really composed. I'm impressed by him. Uh, you know, Harrison Barnes still doing his thing out there, and at this point we know what Harrison Barnes is. He's somebody who will give you five one night and 25 the next. Um, still scratch my head a little bit about the fit on Marvin Bagley, but, you know, he, he's still there. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, I really like Rashawn Holmes, uh, Chicago area guy. Uh, Buddy Heald, of course, still coming off the bench, one of the fastest guys end to end in the league. I expect the Kings to essentially be just a slightly better version of themselves from last year. They're uh, equipped to play with pace. Uh, 
you have Fox and then a bunch of other guys who can really score too. Halliburton 13 last year, Bagley 14 a game, Holmes 14 a game, Barnes 16 a game, Heald 16 a game. Uh, they also have decent enough three-point shooting attack. Leading the way is Halliburton uh, at 41, but then Heald at 39 percenter, uh, Barnes at 39 percenter. It just it's it's nothing crazy, but it makes basketball sense. It's not a bad build, and um, they'll steal some wins. You know, this is a team that beat the – I think they swept the Nuggets last year. The Nuggets were obviously the much better team, but that says that, like, they can go out and beat anybody, but they just also aren't very good, in my opinion. Yeah, it's unfortunate that they play, like I said, probably in the best division in basketball – uh, in, in terms of four through one on our lists, uh, especially historically. I think this year the division might be down a little bit, uh, depending on you know what, what we say in the next four teams. But I love what they've done in the last two drafts, which is odd to say because <laughs> this is the team that also passed on Luka Doncic and Trey Young. Um, but with Halliburton, I think that that was an A-plus pick. Um, I really liked the draft pick of Davion Mitchell, a lot of people were like, hey, why do you need another point guard? Why do you need another, you know, just guy in the backcourt? But they picked the best two-way player in the draft. They picked the best defender in the draft. And in my research, Foo, I, I'm very excited to share this with you. Do you know what Davion Mitchell's nickname is? Uh, the Arachnid. It is off night because everyone he defends has an off night. Oh, I like that. I, I love that. Um, so I think that you're going to see a lot of lineups with uh, Davion Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, and Tyrese Halliburton out on the floor in small ball lineups. Okay. Um, Fox just really efficient last year, 25 points a game, seven assists, three and a half boards, one and a half steals. This is a really complete player, obviously their best player. Um, yeah. Depending on, you know, who's healthy in the West and how well Fox plays, maybe an all-star this year. So, I think he's getting right into that conversation. He, he's one of the more underrated players in the league at this point. Absolutely. Uh, Rashawn Holmes had career years and pretty much every a career year in every statistical category for the most part last year. So while not a guy who's going to, you, you know, be a, a top tier center in the league by any means, I think that he's a nice role player for them. Uh, a few concerns I have, they were last in rebounding, last in team defense. And like these numbers are bad. Adam, yeah, like 117 yeah. points per 100 possessions uh, yeah. and then allow the uh, highest effective field goal percentage at 56 percent, which is two percent above the league average. Yeah. So everyone's scoring on them. They didn't give up. I mean, they were in the middle of the pack of three pointers allowed. So I guess that that is kind of a silver lining. They're not getting beat by the long ball. But like, I mean, if everyone's shooting a high percentage on you and you're giving up a lot of points and you don't have an offensive juggernaut, like say the Atlanta Hawks to kind of offset that uh, there's a reason why you're last in the division. And yeah. I have them at 35 wins, Adam, do you have the totals for uh, you know, where other people think that they're going to finish this year in terms of under over under win total? Uh, let me pull those up. You know, I am right there with you. They average or they let up an average, excuse me, of 117 points per game. That's 28th. It's really bad. Uh, so I just think that, uh, yeah, you know, like they have a good little offensive team and that's how they beat the Nuggets. They just, the Nuggets couldn't get a stop. And so they'll get teams uh, where they can't get a stop. You said you have them at 35. Yeah. 35 and 47. Yeah. I got them at 36 and they're 35 and a half. Okay. So we're, we're right on the line there, uh, literally splitting the difference at 35 and a half. And so, yeah, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, I, I don't think I have much else to say about them. Let me just take one last look at the uh, roster um, just to see if I'm missing anything. But I think it's just a, a slightly better incarnation of last year's team, like I said. A lot of it depends on the health of Marvin Bagley. I really liked his game at Duke, um, but he just hasn't been healthy. Yeah. Uh, Alex Len, Tristan Thompson. Cool. cool. Uh, you know, yesterday we, we talked about the Rockets, and I failed to mention Daniel Tice. 
And I was like, should I have mentioned Daniel Tice? I don't know. Should I have, should I have just mentioned Tristan Thompson? I don't know. <laughs> These guys are like, I'd rather mention Tice than those guys. Not, not difference makers. And um, we'll see. I do like Luke Walton. I'm just going to say, like, I, I do think he's a good coach. Uh, but it's <laughs> he's in such a challenging situation where you have to play the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Warriors all so many times a year. Like, it, you have built-in losses, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm going 36. Uh, if they were in the Central Division and they just had to worry about, you know, they, they got to play the the Pistons and the Cavs multiple times a year. They might be a 500 ball club, but in this one, they, they are incrementally better. But this, is a team that I, this is a team that I hope has a spot or a shot at the uh, play-in, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, they have the longest drought, playoff drought in the NBA. I believe it dates all the way back to 2006. So it's been a – a bad 15 years for Kings fans. And I, unfortunately, like I said, I think they're on the right track, but I, I still don't think that they're there yet. And I don't know if they'll get there because you're not bringing premier free agents to Sacramento. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the Vladi Divac, Chris Weber, Peja Stoyakovic days are long gone. And they really just haven't been that good since there was like a moment when they had Brad Miller and run our test that they were fun, but like, come on. Get better, guys. They're they're at this point in the conversation is one of the worst situations to be in in professional sports where you're just kind of stuck being subpar. Uh, You're not bad enough to get any real game-changing lottery picks, uh, but you're not really good enough to even make the playoffs either. A lot of people, you know, a few years ago, they're talking about the Hawks, like the Hawks, suck because they're never gonna like be a real contender in the east well at least the hawks win the playoffs every year that's it's one thing if you're stuck in the playoffs every year like that's great a lot of franchises are gonna love that like small fan bases as well without you know the standards of a boston Celtics or a los angeles lakers but the kings are uh they're gonna need some miracles to to get out of this uh area basically their best hope for the future is De'Aaron Fox turns into a superstar Halliburton turns into a all-star and Rashawn Holmes turns into DeMarcus Cousins <laughs> it's just just not not happening man uh moving on up on the list we are both in agreement that the Los Angeles Clippers are next yeah, the thing for me is that Kawhi might not play this season. I mean, exactly. that's a huge, huge issue for any team that has him, right? He's a top five player in the league when healthy. So, I mean, they've been my pick to come out of the West the last two years when they've had him. I love the Clippers' makeup. I love, you know, every piece that they have. But obviously, if you're missing a top five player in the league and if they get him back, it'll be very late in the season. He might not come back at all from his injury that we saw last year in the playoffs and, or was that the late in the regular season? Um, it was, it was the playoffs and they kind of, they were like very, very quiet about it. Yeah, very early on in the playoffs and they did make it a good run, but I mean, a lot had to go right for them. And I, you know, this is a new year when Kawhi is going to be probably gone for most of it, if not all of it. And I just don't know how long the magic can last. So, 12.3 points per 100 possessions better with Kawhi than without him. And that's the biggest differential of NBA players who played at least a thousand minutes. So it's not one of those things where, okay, yeah, other people can rise to the occasion. Sure they can, but you know, there are a lot of arguments of, okay, is a team better with this guy, better without this guy. It's very evident that the Clippers are worse without Kawhi Leonard. Um, yeah. I do think that, Pat Bev was obviously a little uh, – didn't have a, a lot in his offensive game. So I'm going to get this right today, Adam. Eric Bledsoe is on the Clippers. Yes. Um, I, I think that they will have – I don't want to say high hopes, but I do think that he needs to play a, a pretty pivotal role for them. I don't and, think that 
he's kind of like a throwaway guy anymore. No, he can't be for them. And and like it's ironic because him and Reggie Jackson are both these like B minus guards, you know. Like, I'm sorry if any Reggie Jackson stands are listening right now, but like let's cut the crap, man. <laughs> like he had a good run, you know. He he like he's a fine player and he had some insane moments. Um in the playoffs last year. I don't want to discredit that. Like, but I just don't see him as a star. I don't see him as a difference maker. And he looks like a star at times, but like that's kind of the same with Bledsoe. They're both like, hey, yeah, that's solid. That's not gonna like destroy you. It's not gonna, it's not gonna make or break you. But like, yeah, yeah. Uh good luck without Kawhi Leonard. You know, it's, it's gonna be the Paul George show. Yeah, this is a team that was top three offensively and defensively the last few seasons, and obviously Kawhi Leonard a big part of that. So you're going to take a hit when you don't have him. I don't think that you could expect them to be a well-rounded, complete team like we've seen in the past. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned in previous podcasts, they had the uh, best three-point shooting percentage in the league, uh, also the best free-throw shooting percentage in the league. Those are things that you really like to see from your team, but that's going to take a hit. And then they, I do like the re-signing of Terrence Mann. They did that a yeah. few days ago. Uh, Luke Kennard can shoot the three for sure. Marcus Morris, uh, the much better Morris twin for sure. Uh, and then Reggie Jackson, I was shocked at how well he played in the playoffs last year. Same. I, was not, Same. I was not a fan before that when he was with the Thunder and the Pistons. I think he was a, a scoring guard but didn't really contribute to many wins. He had a I lot was of – blaming him for losses frankly, in, during yeah. his days with the Pistons. Like, it's, I, I'm a well-documented uh, Reggie Jackson slanderer. <laughs> like, I mean, it is it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I've been ripping him for years. Uh, some of the, the shot selection stuff, and sometimes, like, when he was on that team with the Pistons that got swept in the first round against the Cavs, I'm like, hey, KCP's having a great game, and he's wide open but you insist on taking a double teamed three pointer late in the game, like stuff like that. Some of that hero ball really worked last year with the Clippers. And, you know, I got to give respect to Tyron Lou because I think he just has a way of adjusting. I didn't think he was a good coach, to be honest uh, at first. Cause I'm like, cool, man. Like you just inherited a LeBron team and he's the real coach. Well, I was wrong seeing what he did last year after Kawhi went out and how tough they were uh, that the Phoenix series was still pretty impressive win or lose, you know, when you consider the conditions they had to work with as well. Uh, So they're going to be a really tough team, but they're not going to be the fourth best defensive team in the NBA. As far as points per game go, that's where they were last year. Um, Yeah. Just allowing 107.8 points per game. As you mentioned, Terrence Mann, geez, talk about some hero ball. That guy saved their buns uh, in that playoff game. What did he have, 39 points? There was one game in particular where he just went off, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But ultimately, without Kawhi Leonard, there is a serious ceiling on this team. I think they're still a playoff team, though, right? I think so, just because they have a lot of really good pieces around it. You know, it's not like you have Kawhi Leonard and then you have nothing after that. They still have really good pieces, a lot of good depth, a lot of good shooters. Um, I think that you're just going to need Paul George, frankly, to play at like an MVP level, the way that he did. Uh, I think it was his final season in Oklahoma City, where he was like a top three MVP yeah, candidate. Yeah, unbelievable, yeah. Yeah, he's going to need to play like that in order for them to have a chance. I do think, you know, regardless of how well PG plays, I think that they are a uh, a playoff team for sure, but they're not going to be toward the top in the West. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, you want to guess the line? Uh, I have them at 45. Yeah, we're right around the same area. So they're 45 and a half. I have them at 44. Okay. Uh, I, I think – Basically, if they're in a different division, they have a little bit more success here. Totally. Uh, moving on. So here's here's where it gets interesting. Yesterday, uh, we had the exact same list for both divisions we covered. Today, this is where I have a different team at two and three than you. Um, let's go with your team at the three. 
And I'll let you introduce this one. I think there's obviously a ton of talking points for this particular franchise. Full disclosure, it's because I'm a hater and I'm more, <laughs> and, and I'm more optimistic about my second team. You know, it's so uh, funny. I also have the words hater in my note. It says, <laughs> maybe I'm just a hater. That's the first thing I have in my notes. <laughs> um, I, man, <laughs> when, when your favorite basketball team, I'm a Celtics fan for new listeners, uh, have, let's see, since 2011, really, uh, just been tormented by LeBron James. I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to find every little detail that I can nitpick and bring him and the rest of his teams down. It's just how <laughs> I, it's how I cope with these things, Adam. It's a way um, of life. Yeah. So this is more of a picking with my heart than maybe uh, logical, rational thinking. Um, but I have the Los Angeles Lakers finishing third. And I think a lot of that is it's, it's not indicative of like how good the Lakers can be and how good they will be. I factor in a lot of the rest that they'll probably need. So this is a team, as we've seen in the past with LeBron teams, you know, on paper and when the playoffs start, they're one of, if not the best teams, whether it be when he was in the East or when he was on the West two years ago with the Lakers. I don't think that where they finish in the regular season is any indication of how good they are and how far they can go in the playoffs, because frankly, they need the rest. And, you know, when those LeBron teams in Cleveland, were what fourth in the East and the Celtics led by Isaiah Thomas were the one seed. You knew that the Celtics didn't have a chance against the Cavs. Um, so I think I'm just a little bit lower on them in the regular season, but I don't think that they're going to have that many limitations in the playoffs. So one of the things that comes to mind is LeBron's been in LA for three seasons, two of the seasons uh, they didn't play very well. And a lot of that was because of injury. The one year that they didn't really have major injuries, they won the NBA title. Um, so I, I think that health and like I mentioned, rest, is going to be a very key component for them. They're a really deep team. I do like the scoring off the bench with Carmelo Anthony and Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn. I think that those guys can give you some points there. Uh, led the team in defensive – or led the league, I should say, in defensive rating last year. Obviously, Anthony Davis is one of the best defenders in our game, if not the best. Um, and one of the things – and maybe you're going to touch on this because we've talked about it in the past – concerns about the outside shooting a yeah. little bit and just yeah. the age. So I looked up some of the numbers and I was really surprised. They got some guys that shoot the three better than I thought. So Kent Bazemore, Carmelo Anthony, Rajon Rondo, oddly enough, and Wayne Ellington all shot better than 40% last year wow. from three. So wow. will that continue? I don't know. Or I think another thing that comes to mind, just because someone shoots 40% or better from three, how much of an impact are they really going to have? Because I could see Mello getting a lot of minutes. I could see Rondo kind of finding, you know, between that like 15 to like 22 minutes a game. But like are Baysmore and Ellington going to see the floor enough to really make a difference from the outside? I don't really think so. So those might kind of be like inflated numbers, mm -hmm. but they are a better outside shooting team than I think I initially gave them credit for. But Again, my in my closing thoughts here, I think that I have them at 49 wins, so 49 and 33. But I think a lot of that is just because they're going to rest guys and really gear up for the playoffs. So they're not going to put a ton of value into where they finish in the regular season. Okay. Yeah. You know, going off what you said about outside shooting, I think Malik Monk and uh, Horton Tucker are kind of the X factors here, just because you know what you're getting in LeBron and you know what you're getting in Westbrook and you know what you're getting in uh, AD, right? Those are the big three. And there's concerns. There's, there's built-in concerns. Anthony Davis only played 36 games last year. He's like the oldest 28-year-old in the world. Uh, he's going to be turning 29 this year. He only shot 26% from three last year, which is actually the lowest number he's had uh, since the, it looks like since he was 22 years. No, no. Yeah. Since he like started taking threes, uh, he shot 32-4 in 15-16. That was the first time he started taking more than one three-pointer a game, but his shot has seemingly gotten worse in 2017-18 he shot 
uh, 34% from three. And it looked like maybe he was starting to figure that out. But those numbers have been slowly regressing ever since. It looks like that's where he's going to peak as a three-point shooter. And you have these built-in spacing issues with this team. And so I can't deny that, that, that they have all this talent, but does it make basketball sense? I'm just not really sure. And so you're going to need the guys who are going to help you space the floor and it's weird because these LeBron teams are normally built really well and they have a strong identity, kind of a consistent identity. And that goes all the way back to uh, the Miami Heat. And when I say LeBron teams, I mean the teams that he has picked out. You know, he kind of gets to uh, pick what he's working with. And this is a weird construction. LeBron James is getting up there in age. And so I think he might be more of a power forward and you could go uh, AD. It's center. LeBron is your power forward uh, point guard. And, but then surrounding them, I don't really know what we're going to settle on as far as the starting lineup goes. I've seen anything from Ariza starting, Ellington starting, uh, Monk, I think should be the starting shooting guard. Uh, but your starting lineup your best shooter is going to be LeBron James. And that's not necessarily a bad place to be. What did he shoot last year? Let's take a look, but you're going to have built-in issues. Like Westbrook is a bad shooter. Uh, let's see. Yeah. LeBron James last year from three. Let's see here. Uh, 36%. That's solid, man. Like that, he, I don't think he's a sniper, but like he's going to be your best shooter in your projected starting lineup, I would assume. Um, besides like Monk or Ellington, whoever they go there, but you have like a bad shooter in Westbrook, a bad shooter in uh, Anthony Davis. And then I don't know, do they start Dwight Howard? I don't think they're going to start DeAndre Jordan. I don't think they're going to start Carmelo Anthony. Uh, Carmelo Anthony has never been a three-point shooter and they've tried to kind of turn him into a three-point shooter and he's he's serviceable but he's a mid-range guy and that's okay but I think that it's going to create a lot of traffic in the lane when the defense doesn't have to guard the perimeter especially in transition uh, Carmelo did shoot 41 percent last year from three and so maybe he is that guy now uh, but it's just never been his game. You know, he's, he's never, uh, been that guy. If I were the head coach of this team, I'm going Westbrook, um, Monk, LeBron, Carmelo, AD. You got some shooting. Carmelo, LeBron, and Monk can all shoot, but, in this league where you really don't want more than one bad shooter on the floor at once, it's going to make things a little easier than it has to be for the defense. Another major concern for me is do we have too many cooks in the kitchen? Like you have Russell Westbrook and LeBron James who quietly are very similar players. You know, both are kind of a one man fast break. The ball has to be in their hands and they look to get guys going I don't know if that's going to work. And I don't know what the patience level is going to be uh, from guys like LeBron James or Rajon Rondo for Russell Westbrook when he has one of these uh, 10 turnover quadruple doubles. You know, I don't know if that's going to fly in LA. And then like you also have Rondo there. And so I think Rondo is going to be the bench point guard, the facilitator. And I think that he was sorely missed last year by the Los Angeles Lakers. I think it's good that they brought him back, but his three-point shooting numbers are better. But now he's like, when you watch Le or uh, Rajon Rondo take a three-point shot, the defense leaves him wide open because they are like, go ahead and we'll take our chances on you. He like breathes, he sets up, he thinks about it and then he puts it in and it goes in, but he's not a good three point shooter. Like he has to go through this whole, like, I can do this. You know what I mean? Like he has to like get ready to shoot and then he's going to shoot and it still looks awkward. It goes in now. He got to the point where he's a serviceable three point shooter, but he's not someone I trust is a catch and shoot three point option. I, I'm just not there yet. 
And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's felt to win a championship, which is, has me second guessing myself. Cause I'm like, the other part of my brain is like, of course they're going to do great. LeBron always does great, but like this team was substantially overrated last year. You have so many guys who are injury concerns. LeBron at this point's an injury concern. He's an old man in, in NBA terms. Uh, Anthony day-to-day Davis, come on, man. <laughs> like Carmelo Anthony, uh, you know, he's, uh, what is he, 37? Like you're talking about, a really old team with serious concerns. Now what they lack in a shooting, I think they can make up with rebounding size, athleticism and defense. Uh, They were one of the best defensive teams in the NBA last year. And I expect them to maintain that identity. Uh, But another reason, so I have them uh, a little higher on my list than you, uh, but one of the reasons I can't put them first is because they don't have as much continuity. All these guys left like KCP's gone, Caruso's gone, Drummond's gone, Dudley's gone, Harold's gone, Kuzma's gone. Uh, I believe Wesley Matthews is gone. Uh, Markeith Morris is gone. Schroeder is gone. Like this, there's going to be a feeling out period for a team that, fits awkwardly. And I just don't think that bodes well. And I think that they'll be better than their record, but they're still not a team I think is a lock. Like we were talking about them last year. And I think a lot of people think they're a lock to make the NBA finals. I don't think they're a lock to even finish top three in their division. Yeah. There are a lot of teams out there that I think are more complete with less question marks than the Lakers. I think you can make a strong case for the Lakers to win a championship, but I think you have to, you know, kind of just rationalize certain situations in order to speak that into is this is kind of manifest the championship, if you will. Whereas there are other teams that we'll talk about later on that I think are just more complete right now. I was reading articles on NBA.com. I think that the um, projected starting lineup, um, that they were mentioning at least was going to be Westbrook, Taylor Horton, Tucker, uh, LeBron, AB, and then Dwight. Now, having said that, would Horton, Tucker, and Dwight play starters minutes, even though they're starters? I don't think so. So it's just one of those things where I think that that projection was more of having AB comfortable in his stretch four position, whereas I think it's well known at this point he hates playing the five. And, so, but the thing is, he's not a stretch four. He's just a four. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, we'll, we'll see what the lineup is. I imagine there'll probably be some shakeups. I I just can't imagine that Horton Tucker and Dwight play substantial minutes. Um, There's going to be a lot of depth on this team. A lot of people that are going to get minutes, just a matter of how they're going to disperse those minutes, if you will. And I really like THT. I mean, he's a very good all around player. Uh, he, he can get you rebounds. He can get to the foul line. He sees the floor well. Uh, Chicago guy, he brings that kind of Chicago toughness coming up from the high school circuit out here. I, uh, I root for him. I, I think he went to Simeon. I'm always going to root for Chicago guys. Uh, and I think he will be a key component. But once again, not a great shooter. 28% from three last year. Those numbers got to go way up. Uh, he doesn't like they need answers for the glaring issues and take this to the bank in February, there are going to be conversations about the Lakers looking to make a move for shooting. Uh, There's probably going to be talk about the Lakers trying to get JJ Redick out of retirement. I'm going to go off on a limb and say that they're going to be desperate to try to find help spacing the floor I don't think that this particular roster survives the season. I don't think that that's that bold of a take, but eventually they're going to run into uh, problems because, you know, building a team is like building a house. you got to have a smart foundation. And this is a very shaky foundation. Like it's a beautiful home, but like, you're going to go down to the basement. You're going to be like, the hell's going on here. You know, did the, did, what did the construction guys, what, what were they thinking? And then one day you're going to be taking a piss and the floor is going to break and you're going to fall through the basement. And that's the worst case scenario. 
uh, for the Lakers. And the floor breaking is chemistry issues, people starting to hate each other. This world where <laughs> LeBron wants Westbrook traded, Rondo wants to kill Westbrook, Westbrook wants to kill the whole team, and Anthony Davis is out three months. <laughs> like, I mean, this, this is a very, like, this isn't that far-fetched. What do you think the line is? Oh, boy. I have them at 49 wins. Okay. Uh, so we're both, like, pretty close, but I'm slightly higher. I have them at 53. They're 52 and a half is the line, so you got them at 49. So, yeah, we're, we're right around there. Um, but, you know, just for reference, like, oh, man, I'm actually seeing this. I don't want to spoil anything, but there's certain teams that I am – Surprised the Lakers are projected to have more wins than I guess we'll get into that later. But um, I, think, I think Brad Beal would be a great fit for them. Oh, um, he, he'd, but, he'd save them. <laughs> but at the, at the same time, I, they just don't have the assets or the trade pieces to make Washington want to budge on that. You know, just give him Westbrook back. <laughs> <laughs> so giving away Brad Beal for free to the, the Wizards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they have many trade assets. And it's an 82-game season, man. Like, these old guys are going to be hurt. Like, it's just – it is what it is, man. Like, father time always wins. And basically, this roster, like, is a middle finger to modern basketball and father time. It's like, oh, yeah? Watch this. We're going to build a team around old guys, and most of us can't shoot. Watch us win it all. Like, I don't know, man. I just don't know if that works. The X factor could be the training staff. Yeah, yeah, true. They got they got good doctors out there in LA, I'm sure. How good are your sports med guys? Yeah, they better be the best because uh, Anthony Day to Day Davis, man, uh, 62 games. When's the last time he played? Well, he's never played a full season in his career. Uh, he played 75 games in 2017, 2018. Um, but the, after that, it's 56, 62 in the shortened season, 2019, 20, 36 games last year, man. Come on. The team Half needs season. you. Yeah. And what's concerning is he's like the biggest injury problem and he's the youngest. <laughs> like That's a huge concern, man. I love Anthony Davis, Chicago guy. All right. Like rooting for him. Wanted to fail. So he comes back to the Bulls. And uh, he can win a championship here, and he'll stay healthy here. We have better trainers. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, he's never coming coming back. But you might think about it. It's not going to work out in L.A. <laughs> no, I'm surprised that you even have them at two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Um, I mean, we'll see. It, it's it's LeBron James, right? He, he finds a way to get it done. Uh, the team you have at two is the team I have at three. Um, and that is the Golden State Warriors with my man, my favorite player. Well, he's like on my all Shalafu team, which is my like starting five of just my favorite player at every position. Like, I love Clay Thompson. You're wearing the Washington State hat today. You love Clay Thompson. And man, I'm just so happy. It's been life without Clay Thompson's been rough. It seems like everything in the world has fallen apart. It's like, you know, Clay stops playing and then, you know, Kobe Bryant dies. Then we have a global pandemic. Like, Clay needs to get back in the starting lineup just so the world can go back to him. Yeah, he's going to be out two and a half years. I mean, when the last time we saw him was June of 2019. So, like, all jokes aside, we're literally in a different world now. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. The first talking point I have on my list here, Adam, a quote from Ramona Shelburne saying that uh, according to the team, Christmas Day, a return for Clay Thompson would be a conservative target. But I guess that they've been asking Steve Kerr in recent pressers and he's been saying, OK, it could be early 2022. So January or February, he will come back this season. Fingers crossed, barring any other fluke injury. But, you know, he won't be here at the start of the season. And I think that they're going to have to get off to kind of a fast start and then kind of insert him into the lineup to really make that push. Otherwise they could get lost in the mix and similar to the Lakers be a better team on paper 
than maybe we're giving them credit for, but could actually be a title contender if everything happens right and they kind of just gel at the right time. Uh, you, you still bring back the core of like staff, Draymond, Andrew Wiggins got his vaccine, so he's good to go. No problems there. Um, one of the things that I mentioned in our kind of off-season edition of the pod, where we had Otto Porter Jr., in my opinion, could be one of the biggest steals of the off-season if he's able to contribute pretty much anything. Uh, he played really well in his short stint with the Bulls. Was kind of up and down with the Wizards. But I would I, say it played really well when he actually played with the right. Bulls. Yeah, so it, his health has always been a question mark. But for a guy that they got you know, relatively cheaply, I think that he could be a, a really nice piece for them just as depth at the wing position. Um, a, yeah, yeah. Great three-point shooter, really good defender. Yeah. They brought back Andre Iguodala, who doesn't hurt defensively. You know, he's going to be able to help you in that department, a veteran guy that could definitely prove to be valuable in the playoffs. This team is deep as hell, Adam. Like, I love the additions of Avery Bradley, a uh, really good defender, can get you like 10 a game, too, offensively. We have a kid that I work with who's Serbian, and I always botch this name. I'm going to try to get it right here. Nemanja Bialica. I think you got uh, it. A really good big man from a three-point shooting standpoint, um, obviously of Sacramento Kings lore, but I think that he's a, a nice little role player to have. We've talked um, extensively about the value of Jordan Poole. He mm -hmm. could be a legitimate six-man of the year, 35% um, from three on 12 points a game, but I think that once he gets more playing time and kind of has more of a role, those numbers could skyrocket for sure. Yeah. And one of the things that I think has benefited the Warriors – you know, last year they lose Kevin Durant and he's, you know, obviously with the Nets and Clay's hurt. They don't play all that well. They get James Wiseman, who I think is going to be a really good, you know, defender, rebounder for them. Uh, they were kind of missing some depth and some value in the front court. So in the two years that they haven't played particularly well, they've gotten really good future pieces. I really like Kaminga. I really like Moody. Those guys can give you athleticism and scoring off the bench. And this is a team that could go like 10 deep, like 10, 12 guys deep. And you could get something out of every single one of those guys that they bring off the bench. It's not someone who's just buying time until the starters get their rest and their water. Then they can go back out there. I really think that you can get contributions from almost everyone they have on the roster. And then uh, I don't want to say it's like a sneaky good uh, it's not really a pickup because he was on the team last year, but I really like the emergence of Juan Toscano-Anderson. Yeah. Kind of just like a really athletic defender guy who is just super scrappy. I mean, he was diving for loose balls and diving into the crowd and just a guy who, I mean, everyone really wants a guy like him on, the, on their team. And I think that he also has a really pivotal role with them from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, I think he does a lot of the Draymond Green stuff offensively, too. Like, he, he's kind of a nice little playmaker. As far as Jordan Poole goes, yeah, I think he's perfect for Clay Thompson's return, too, because I think Poole, you can have him at the one or the two. And if you need Thompson on the bench, you have Poole at the two. If you need Curry on the bench, you have Poole at the one. And so I, I like how that could really work out. I really hope that he plays at least 25 minutes a game. I do think he could be a six man of the year. Um, you know, Wiggins improved defender under the Warriors. I think at this point, he's like a, just a solid B, B minus guy. Like he's not going to make or break you. Um, Wiseman, I want to just single him out real quick. This is a guy who's compared to Chris Bosh, David Robinson coming into his uh, NBA career, but didn't really get to play college ball. He's got an unbelievable frame at 7'1", 240. He's a good enough three-point shooter, shot just under 32% last year in his rookie season. Uh, I think the best possible thing for him, uh, the thing he needed most was just having a normal offseason where he can just go train and like, get coached up you know I don't think he I don't think anyone really got that opportunity but we have to temper our expectations if you're calling Wiseman a bust at this point I just don't think that's fair because like what did you expect out of a guy who really hadn't played since high school you know he, he didn't get to play at Memphis he I think he played like two games and so that's really something that can hamper your development 
I think he's in the right situation. And we talked about on the podcast yesterday, a team like the San Antonio Spurs and how they've been able to stay good in the long term by making right draft picks and scouting well and kind of having like a good combination of young guys and old guys. And when you look at the Warriors, Jordan Poole and Wiseman could be guys that are building blocks for the future. And so when Kerr, uh, I'm sorry, when Curry and uh, Clay are ready to hang it up, maybe it's the team belongs to James Wiseman. And in a best case scenario for them, in a very realistic world, where he's a top five center in the NBA. He's super complete. Like he had all the potentials there. He has to put it together though. And so I'm hoping that he can take a big step forward because he's that real X factor. If he can be someone who's going to give you, I don't know, like 18 points, nine rebounds, and maybe a little under two blocks a game, you're in really good shape. Last year, he was 11 and a half points per game, 5.8 rebounds per game. Uh, but really, he only played 21 minutes. And so in bigger numbers, you, you could see him do a little bit more. But only three double-doubles last year. It's got to be at least at least 15, more like 20, 25. Like he needs to uh, start to show that he's an asset worth keeping because otherwise – he's going to wind up getting traded because I do think that the Warriors should be and are in let's keep winning championships with Curry and Clay now mode. And uh, with Clay Thompson coming back, like, sure, you have every right to be skeptical and wonder what he's going to come back and be. But like, I just have a hard time imagining a world where Clay Thompson isn't giving you at least 18 to 24, 21 points a game. And when you want to consider the gravity and what the defense is going to have to do when you have Curry and Clay on the floor again together, like uh, this isn't the season preview episode. I'm not putting this in stone, but right now on my unresearched incomplete MVP hierarchy, like Steph's my favorite for MVP right now. He was right in that conversation last year. And when you have, uh, spacing around him like that, he's going to have more open looks. He's going to play with a chip on his shoulder. He uh, and the whole Warriors team, they're going to be chasing wins, as Steve Kerr said. Like, they knew what they were doing last year. Like, they were trying to be as competitive as they could. But the last two years were pretty much lost years without Clay Thompson. And so now that you have your second guy back in the fold, even if he's not – is athletic his game was never predicated on athleticism like if there's someone who can get a knee injury like let's say clay thompson's as slow as joe ingles well he's still gonna be better than joe ingles like you're talking about the second best shooter of all time you don't just forget how to shoot a basketball at least this wasn't a wrist injury you know like clay's going to hit it from anywhere inside of 40 feet and that's that. It's going to cause defensive nightmares. And uh, having Wiseman is a better shooter than Bogut ever was, or Festus Azili, or whoever, you know, insert Warrior Center. Like they're going to be able to do a lot with spacing. And Draymond Green was quietly really good last year, you know. Uh, and so, but I think some of the pressure gets taken off him with uh, Clay being back too. And it's going to, some of the pressure gets taken off Curry, as I said. And so you have a team with multiple playmakers shooting everywhere. And Steve Kerr's one of the best coaches of all time. Uh, there's not many guys who, I don't think there are as many guys who just came in and won a championship his first year. And he's, besides the year when everyone was hurt, Every year, his teams are really damn good. They game plan really well, and they're a nightmare uh, to stop. So I haven't taken a look at the line yet. Why don't you take a guess? I have them at 51 wins. Wow. So you're just a little over. They got them at uh, 48 and a half, and I have them at 47. Uh, I think that they, they, they're they going to have a better team once Clay gets there. Uh, but one we should really keep an eye on the Warriors is March and April. 
because that's yeah. when we're going to get to see who they actually are. And I also don't think that this is going to be the team that we see in the playoffs. I mean, unlike the Lakers, the Warriors do have a ton of assets. They have some pieces that they could really flip for another superstar. I know that the D'Angelo Russell move was kind of a rental. I don't really think anyone expected that three to be together for a long period of time. But, you know, if, if you can flip Wiggins and Picks or Wiggins and Wiseman and maybe a, a combination of like Kaminga, Moody, um, you know, maybe they go after Brad Beal. I mean, there's there's a lot of good pieces out there uh, that could really put the Warriors over the top. And I, I like how they're constructed right now. But I do think come playoff time, if they were to make a move for a superstar and get rid of maybe the, the younger projects that could pay dividends in the future and are in the win now mode because Steph and Claire in their early 30s. So they're, you know, who knows how long they're going to last. They could have a LeBron-like run. They could, you know, fizzle out and, and keep dealing with injuries because, you know, uh, Steph has also had a handful of ankle injuries. So mm -hmm. he's been good recently, but, you know, you, you just want to know what their thought process is. But I could see them making a deep run, how it's constructed right now. I could see them flipping some pieces for Brad Beal and going over the top. Like, they have a lot of flexibility. And in my opinion, they're in one of the best just flat-out positions as currently constructed today, whether it's win now, win in the future, how far can they go this year? Um, I, I really like the way that they're set up. Yeah, I agree with uh, everything you said. Uh, I don't think I got anything left on this Warriors team. Uh, really good team. They're going to be back. Anything else for you? No, and oddly enough, I think the least amount of notes I have is our number one team. Yeah, which is pretty much the same team that they were last year, huh? Yeah, the Phoenix Suns. Um, I have them at 53 wins, which, like, for transparency purposes, if I believe I listed off my win total for all the teams. But Phoenix, I have at 53. And then the Lakers in my third spot, I have at 49. So not a whole lot of separation between number one and number three on my list. But, yeah, the biggest thing for the Phoenix Suns for me, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but everyone returns. So you went to the NBA finals, you were up two nothing in that series and then lost to the Bucks. but you bring your, I mean, essentially they're in run it back mode. Um, I love Monty Williams as a head coach. I think he gets a lot out of his guys, uh, CP three Booker. I think Mikhail Bridges is one of the most underrated players in the league. I love his game. Uh, they got some scoring punch with Cam Johnson off the bench. Uh, Deandre Ayton, you hope would make a, another step in his development seventh in offensive efficiency and third in defensive efficiency. So a really complete team top to bottom. And then kind of some like good pieces that I think could help them out that they didn't have last year. They're not big names, but I like JaVale McGee and I like Landry Shamit. Uh, I Shamit, like Chandler Hutchison. Okay. So yeah, I like Shamit uh, as like a, a good shooter. And then McGee has always been good in the pick and roll uh, you know, can catch lobs for you, can get rebounds, can get blocks. Um, the perfect I, I think, backup for eight. Yeah, I, I think that he's a good piece, and he's like seven foot too. So seven foot, comma also. Uh, yeah. And and yeah, it's. I think the thing with the Suns is that you know the Warriors are going to have to hit their stride when Clay gets back, but he's not going to be there. The Lakers, I think, are. Oh, be there the whole season. I think the Lakers are really going to focus on rest. Whereas the Suns, they're really young for the most part outside of CP three. Um, they don't really have a ton of limitations. So again, I think in the playoffs, depending on which versions we see, I could see the Lakers and Warriors being better than the Suns in the playoffs. But in terms of regular season finishes, I don't think it's crazy to say that Phoenix will finish at the top of the division where they finished last year as well at 51 and 21. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, continuity is the best thing that they have going for them. And they showed us how good they were last year. Uh, the reason I like the Hutchinson pickup is he's just like super athletic. He's a good defender. Uh, he's an okay shooter, but he, he just fits. He is someone who can back up that three and four uh, and, and go play quick with that, be athletic. Uh, Chris Paul will make him look really good at times. Uh, I don't think that they're going to be as lucky as they were last year, which kind of like makes their playoff run a little less for me. I mean, like if you really think about it, they 
faced a wounded Lakers team. Uh, they faced a wounded Nuggets team. They faced a Jazz team, and it looked like it could uh, maybe right. They did face the Jazz, right? And then uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell without Kawhi. Okay, yeah, Clippers without Kawhi. Oh, because yeah, the, um, but every team they played, like they had help. They had luck on their side. I don't think that that's something you can necessarily bank on. But yeah, man, they're well coached, as you mentioned. Uh, top seven in points per game and points against. They don't turn the ball over. Uh, they hit the threes consistently. Uh, and when you have that kind of continuity, it leads to elite chemistry and just a brand of team ball that, I mean, it's just plain hard to stop, man. Like that's really all it comes down to. And just to review how balanced they were last year, they were third in assists, uh, fourth fewest turnovers in the NBA. They were uh, seventh in points. They get to the line, uh, not as much as you'd like, but they always capitalize. They're 29th in free throws attempted, but second in free throw percentage, uh, seventh in three-point shooting, second in field goal percentage, second in field goals made. Uh, and so it's just a dangerous team. I think we know who they are. Dario Saric was a huge difference maker once he got hurt last year. Um, I just really love Cameron Johnson's game too. Jay Crowder is such a pivotal uh, piece for them. They just have three and D guys everywhere. And it's perfectly built around Chris Paul. And honestly, man, I was really nervous that Chris Paul was going to leave just because there were all those rumors swirling and, you know, the Lakers wanted him and all that. And I thought it was going to be such a soft move if he was like, oh, well, we beat the Lakers in the first round, but now I'm going to go join them. I'm glad that he was like, hey, we're going to run it back. Uh, because they're good enough to run it back. And I think it's good for the league that Chris Paul is leading the Phoenix Suns again instead of chasing rings. And like, because if you put Chris Paul on the Lakers instead of Russell Westbrook, we're having a completely different conversation. We're talking about the Lakers as the favorite to win the championship probably. But this is more fun. This is more fun that you have him as the leader of this young team. What's interesting is I don't think either of us have really mentioned Devin Booker, have we? I mean, yeah, he's in the starting lineup, but I think we saw we were, you know, we're going to get out of Devin Booker in the regular season and the playoffs. He's a star. Yeah, yeah, he is. I, I think it's interesting uh, that he wasn't – it didn't seem like he was taking a ton of three-point attempts, but he's so dangerous in that mid-range area, and he's a very good three-point shooter at 34%. Uh, and I, I think he continues to take more steps forward. I mean, overall, this is – a steady foundation. The The floor is not going to break on you. And if somebody gets hurt, they have interchangeable pieces. I don't think that Cameron Payne can beat Chris Paul, but like if Chris Paul has to miss a few games, like Cameron Payne turned into a really good basketball player, you know, like they're in a very good situation. They have a very high basement and they have a super high ceiling too. Like best case scenario, they pass up on, 60 wins, right? I have them at, let's see, I got them at 56. So I'm a little higher than the line is. Uh, the line on those guys is 51 and a half. Yeah, I have them at 53. Okay, so we're both a little higher than the line. Now the Lakers are 52 and a half. So, I mean, it's just, what? What? Yeah, for me, it's the rest component. Yeah, and Phoenix does have the reputation of having the best training staff in the NBA. It's been like that for years. The walking, talking stick, talking stick resort arena. I think so. Talking stick, yeah. Very strange, very strange. Uh, anyway, that's all I have to say to my talking stick for this. Uh, do you have any other thoughts? No, that, that's it. Uh, as always, check out the Wax Cowboy. He's our graphic designer, Evan Butris. Does great work out there in Colorado. He can do some great work for you. All you've got to do is slide into the PMs and uh, let him know what you are looking to get done. Uh, designer logo, designer t-shirts, and uh, real nice guy. And uh, really knows his beers, too.
too. I'll say that about him. He really knows his beers real well. A beer connoisseur. You should check out his two-minute tastings. Now I'm just plugging him too much. But uh, he's got these two-minute tastings. They're on YouTube, and they're hilarious. He talks about a beer, and then he's like, well, now I'm running out of time, and I have to drink this beer in shotgun fashion. And so then he'll like be shotgunning, usually a beer that should absolutely not be shotgun. And then it leads to a extremely loud burp at the end, which is also a good part of the video. Uh, so Evan gets a full-on plug today. Thank you, Evan. Uh, and then, yeah, if you like the show, please leave us a positive review of positive radio. It's really good help. Any last thoughts, Kurt? No. Go Dubs. All right, on to the next one. We'll see you next time.